And the average guy, you know, is flipping property. That's nuts because that's capital gains. And eventually the guys who flip get, you know what? Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Robert Kiyosaki. Hi, Robert. Hi. Robert is joining us from Scottsdale, Arizona, and of course, he is the author of the most influential personal finance book ever, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He recently also released Second Chance for Your Money, Your Life, and Our World. That was in January 2015, and he has a book that just came out, Eight Lessons in Military Leadership for Entrepreneurs. It released May 12th during Armed Forces Week. He's co-authored two books with Donald Trump. He's got a third coming out in 2016, and he is a fellow podcaster. You can check him out at the Rich Dad Radio Show. So with that being said, Robert, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Well, it was sort of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. True story. My real dad was a head of education for the state of Hawaii, you know, PhD. Great guy. And my rich dad was my best friend's father. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a book I wrote. came out in 1997. It's almost 20 years now. And it was turned down by every publisher because, you know, publishers are like my poor dad. And they thought I was full of it. And I said such things as your house is not an asset, savers are losers, and cash is trash, you know. And they didn't like what I said. So a few years later, 10 years later, after 1997, 2007, the subprime market collapses and everything I said came true. So um, that's kind of my background. I don't, I am, I'm heavily invested in real estate, but I don't, don't really com- consider myself a very good real estate professional. You know, I, I always partner with good partners. Let's talk about that. So how do you identify what a good partner would be? Toughest question on earth, man. It is the toughest. That's like asking, how do you know you have a good wife or a good husband? You don't know. You don't know until you're getting screwed. <laughs> and then you find out, you know, and uh, this, there's always a silver lining to everything. The lesson I learned the hard way was out of every bad partnership comes a great partner. So my current partner, his name is, um, I'm not gay, this Ken McElroy, this guy is, you know, he, I met him out of a busted deal. And he and I were looking at investing in this other guy's project. And then when the SEC hauled this other guy away, I won't mention his name, in handcuffs, Kenny and I are standing looking at each other. So we didn't know each other. We we're just kind of investing. And so Kenny and I and my wife, Kim, became partners in real estate. And we've gone on to make millions and millions and millions. 
So out of every bad partnership comes a great partner. And that has been all my rich dad advisors and all that. Every one of them came from a busted deal. I hate to say that, but that was my, that is my track record. I imagine you are approached by people about real estate opportunities and investing opportunities in general. How do you qualify those opportunities? Because I imagine you'd just go crazy if you went into every one of them and probably be bankrupt. Right. It's the same thing as with the partner. You know, I mean, people are the key. I don't care how good the deal is. You have a bad partner. You're not going to make any money at all. I don't care what that is. Marriage, business, going to church, whatever you want to call it. There are a lot of people out there who have very lax ethics, you know, legal, moral. You know, they screw it in if they could get hold it down enough. You know, people, people are people. It's really tough. You cannot tell who they are by looking at them, whether grade point average or what school they went to or the last deal they did. You know, when times get tough, that's when you really find out how good your partner is. So my rich dad advisors, each one of us written a book, you know, on taxes, on debt, on legal. They are my partners. And these guys have really come through the test of time over 10, 15, 20 years. And that's what you're really looking for as an investor is not the property, you're looking for the partner. And when you have good partners, you can make a lot of money. You have bad partners, you're going to lose a lot of money. Really simple. It sounds like the test of time, as you mentioned, is something that you look for. Is that the number one qualifier? That and obviously ethics and how they approach life and business? Yeah, but like I said, you can't really tell. You know, like when you look at a good-looking woman, let's say, or a guy, guys, you know, you don't know until it gets tough. You know what I mean? You don't know. And so that's why, you know, people say have a prenup and all this. And the same in business, you better have a buy-sell or you want to make sure the guy is okay. Like Donald Trump, you know, I've learned a lot working with him. And one of the things he said to, not him, but his son Don Jr. said to me, I was talking to Don Jr. because we're good friends. And Don Jr. said something to me. He says, I can't tell you that because I don't know you well enough yet. I went, what? He says, yeah. He says, my family policy is we don't, we don't do business until we know who you are. And so that took a long time, but then Donald Trump then and I did a deal together because he says, you're a good man, I'll do a deal with you. But when I made my mistakes, I, I saw the deal and I saw the partner and I got all excited and went in and the deal turned bad because either I was bad or the other guy was bad. And that's live and learn. So that's what Don, Donald Trump Jr. taught me. He says, I can't talk to you yet because I don't know you well enough yet. And it's one of their policies. One of the quotes I've read from you is you said the richest people in the world look for and build networks. Everybody else looks for work. Can you elaborate on that? Well, well you know, if you really understand what business is, business is a network. For example, when I, you know, I don't care what business it is, like the Rich Dad Company, it is a whole network of networks. You know, a business is a network of networks. A car is a network of systems. For example, a car has a brake system, fuel system, hydraulic system and air conditions, you know, all the pneumatic systems. And so when you put a deal together, it's systems upon systems, networks upon networks. So the reason I make so much money is I have huge networks of people that support my message and what I do. You know, like Craig Coppola's on your program, he and I have great partners, and he's part of my network. And that's why there's network marketing, you know, for people who really want to understand what business is. Unfortunately, most people come out of school and they're the lone ranger. You know, I'm going to be the smartest attorney or the smartest accountant or real estate agent and all this. And they operate by themselves. You know, they don't cooperate. Cooperation in school is called cheating. Well, I'm very cooperative, but I got to be more careful who I cooperate with. So Harvard just came out with a study 
and it said the most important thing for success is your social network, your social and professional network. And that's what we were talking about earlier. I know who are your partners. You know, when, when somebody comes in with a deal, I want to look at their partners. And if they're bad or stuff like that, I don't want to do business with them. It's nothing to do with the deal. It's the people. How would an investor, a beginning investor, create a huge network or even a network that can become huge starting out and then kind of grow? Well, again, there's no real magic to it. You know, the trouble with a lot of, a lot of guys coming out, you got to understand what their motive is. You know, most guys coming out, the new guys, we call them the FNGs, you know, F and new guy, was a pilot, and they all want to make a lot of money. And after a while, you realize that it takes time to build a reputation, to build credibility, to gain experience and all that. I'll give you another story which kind of explains it to me. I'm always hit up for money. You know, all these entrepreneurs come up to me with their hot deal, they're going to make a million bucks with and all this stuff. And the first question I ask them, it was the last two deals. They, you, know, it's a, you know, they're nice products. And um, I asked them one question. I said, what was the last class you took? And they look at me and go, what? So what, you know, did you go to, what class have you taken? What? I said, well, we don't do classes. You know, like, I'm always in classes. I don't go to school. You know, I dropped out of the MBA program because it was a bunch of BS to me. But I'm always taking classes on this or studying this book. My advisors like, you know, Ken McElroy and we all get together, we study. And so when I ask these new young entrepreneurs, what was the last class they took or what last book they read, they looked at me like I was nuts. And I said, well, I'm not going to invest with you then. They said, what does it have to do? Look at the deal. Look at the product. I said, one lesson, you know, lesson is this. If you don't invest in yourself, why should I invest in you? Well, we're going to make a lot of money. I said, well, I've heard that before. So I'll say to everybody, if you don't invest in your mind, your personal development, your professional education, I don't want to invest with you. I don't trust you. What's the last class you took? Well, it's the last book I'm reading right now, and it's called The End of Power, and my whole company studies it. And I'm constantly in class with guys like Bert Doman of the Wellington Letter, he's a personal friend and all that. Like I said, it's my social network now I deal with. So I'm in contact all over the world with guys looking at the economy from different parts of the world. I never stop. I'm always studying. You know, the last book is called The End of Power. It was recommended by a guy named Zuckerberg. I recommend everybody read it. I'd recommend everybody read this book, End of Power. And my team and I get together and we sit and discuss it, you know, for a couple of days at a time because we invest in our study and our education, our personal growth, our personal development. And our personal development book I'm reading is called The, 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 ha- uh, the Happiness, The Advantage of Happiness or something like that. And I read that because I'm going to develop myself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, as well as financially. But most guys, they don't develop themselves personally. And I really don't want to hang out with them. What would you say was the tipping point for you as a investor? The tipping point every single day. The reason I study so much is because, you know, this, in this economy, I think we're in serious trouble right now financially. But I knew that back in 1997 when I wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is why I said your house is not an asset, that savers are losers, and all that stuff. And I got pounded for it. But like I said, when the subprime market hit, 2007, when the Dow topped in October 2007, unfortunately, millions of people got killed. But I made a fortune, you know, because I was prepared for it. That's my book, The Second Chance, is about. I have a video coming out, The Man I Can See the Future. So I'm constantly studying the markets. So when the markets came down in uh, October of 2007, I thought I died and went to heaven. 
And as you know, the banks were just giving away the best real estate on earth. They were giving, I never made so much money in just five years from 2007 to 2012, picking up all the crash. It was fabulous. You know, I went from just 4,000 units today, we have over 10,000 units. These are, these are apartment houses. And that's how you get rich. You don't get rich by buying real estate. You have to understand the trends of the market. So based on the trends of where we're at right now, what are you seeing and what are you investing in? My knowledge. I mean, I, I'm not kidding you. I'm watching this next crash coming. I can see it coming in slow motion. You see what happened in 2007, even if you remember, everybody was becoming a real estate investor. They were in the subprime thing. You know, my secretary came up. She doesn't make that much money, but she was going to buy a $300,000 house with a ninja loan, no income, no job. And I said, you're crazy. And she was buying it in South Phoenix where the ghetto was. And I said, you're crazy. And she got so upset with me. She said, I'm going to buy that. And I, I got into almost a fist fight. But she didn't buy it. And she had bought it. She had been wiped out financially. But that was happening in 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. So when it went down, it was fabulous. Now, at the same time, I owned apartment houses. And people were getting out of apartment houses because they were going for those ninja loans, no, you know, the subprime loans. So I looked like a complete village idiot in 2007 because I was in apartment houses. Today, anybody in apartment houses looks like a genius, and that's why I'm not in them anymore. And I know you're building apartment houses and all this, but I think there's a bubble in apartment houses. So I'm very cautious, you know. The hard part for me is I'm being offered ridiculous sums of money for my property. I mean, my other friend was in, he was just in this, uh, this last interview I did before you, and he's offering me $25 million for a property I paid $5 million for. Now, I had to sit there and contemplate, is $25 million worth it? Because I don't know where to place it anymore. I'm not going to go back into apartment houses because it's the hot new product. It's the, you know, the subprime guys. So every time the markets make these turning points, which we're in right now, I've really got to re-go to the big picture before I go to the small picture. So I'm in a dilemma called that all my properties have gone up so much in value and everybody wants to pay me money for them and I should take the cash, but I don't know where I would put it. You know, so every market is different. So there's no magic formula except for what I said earlier. What's the last book you studied? What's the last class you took? Who your friends are? That's what it is. Robert, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Not study. If you're not taking classes, you're an idiot. And if you think you know all the answers, you probably didn't get your butt handed to you. You know, when I came back from Vietnam in 1973, my poor dad, I was a Marine pilot, and uh, my poor dad said, go back get my MBA. So I went to get my MBA, and my rich dad said to go study real estate. You know, these are kind of different. And the reason Rich Dad said go and study real estate was because in 1971, as you may know, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard and the world changed. So then the government started printing money and, and what people don't know is in 71, the dollar became debt. So the reason my Rich Dad wanted me to study real estate was to learn how to use debt. So when I'm buying a property, I'm buying it with debt. I'm not buying with cash. No, not, not with equity. So I'm constantly buying with debt. So this last property I bought uh, a few months ago, it was 1,620 units and putting up $30 million for it. But we're going to leverage out to about $150 million in debt. And from that leverage factor, we're going to depreciate the heck out of it so I don't pay any tax on it. 
You see, this, that is what education has nothing to do with real estate. It has to do with how good a financer you are and how good an entrepreneur you are. Nothing to do with real estate. And the problem is, I can't find another project that big for that much money because everybody's bid the prices up too high. So, you know, again, it's all about debt. It's all about taxes. The more debt I use, the less tax I pay, more money I make. And the average guy, you know, is flipping property. That's nuts because that's capital gains. And eventually, the guys who flip get, you know what? So... I take my education seriously. I'm always studying with guys who really know what they're talking about. One of the reasons I dropped out of the MBA program is the instructors had no idea what they were talking about. You know, I thought it was a back to school with Rodney Dangerfield. I'm <laughs> going, holy mackerel, these guys are out of touch. And then I go to the real estate class and this guy, you know, I was about 24 at the time. Like I said, I was still, in, still a pilot flying from the Marine Corps. And this guy's probably about 35 years old. And he doesn't need the money, he just teaches because he likes to teach. And he was showing me his real deals, his financials and all that stuff. And I learned more from that guy because it was real life. And I go back to Fantasyland called the MBA program and I'm going, holy moly, I'm out of here. You know, these accountants and all that, they really don't know what they're doing. Like my, my friend is a doctor, he paid $730,000 in taxes this week, you know, because of tax time. I said to him, fire your CPA. He goes, what? He's been my accountant for years. I said, well, if you paid $750,000 in taxes, you have a stupid CPA. And he got all offended. I'm like, hey, I'm doing my best right now. You could have invested that money in something else and made money, but now you're going to pay in taxes. So what people don't really realize is in 1971, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, debt and taxes became the new game. Not money, not anything like that. And real estate is the best because you can use debt and taxes to get rich. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Does that make any sense to you? Absolutely, absolutely. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors. As we've heard from Robert Kiyosaki himself, continuing to learn is one of the biggest tools to success. Here's your chance to put that into action. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, the leading expert in crowdfunding and marketplace lending, has put together some of the best resources to help you learn all about real estate crowdfunding. All you have to do is go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your free copy of the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. And today, best ever listeners, I have a special treat for you. I've invited my colleague, Brian Ellis, who's the host of the new and very popular podcast, Self-Directed Investor Radio, to share an insider's tip with you. So Brian, take it away. Thanks, Joe. Wondering where to get financing for your next real estate deal? For many investors, the answer is as close as your own retirement account. That's right. If you have an IRA or 401k, there's a very good chance you can transfer some of your retirement savings into what's called a self-directed account, which is a special account that allows you full control of where to invest your savings. So if you want to invest in real estate, tax liens, or precious metals, you can. There's nothing like having real control over your retirement savings, and there's nothing like the ability to earn all of your profits tax-free, which is possible and rather simple, using a self-directed account that you control. Want to know more? Just text the word CONTROL to 33444, and I'll send you some great information that's free. Again, text the word CONTROL to 33444, and I'll show you some amazing things that real control over your retirement account will allow you to do. Back to you, Joe. Thanks, Brian. And remember, everyone, to check out Brian's podcast, Self-Directed Investor Radio, every weekday on iTunes. All right, Robert, best ever book you've read? I don't know. I, I read so many books, I, don't, I can't even tell you that. I, mean, I read two different types of books. I read finance books. I read personal development books. So that's, uh, I'm, if you're not reading every single day, you're falling behind. 
Best Ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book. Best Ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. I don't know. I'm doing it every day. I mean, I was on a hike the other day, and I was on, you know, something came up in my psyche, and I just speed, speed dial my therapist. And I'm always working on myself. It's personal development. Let me explain personal development to you. If you have, let's say, a quart jar, and that's your capacity at one quart, well, it could be a million dollars. You want to go to $10 million, you got to open up your capacity. And that's what personal development does. It increases your capacity. So if you're only making, let's say, a million dollars a year, it's because that's your capacity. And with personal development, which is more emotional, spiritual development, increases your capacity to have more in your life. So when people say, I'm only making $50,000 a year, so why don't you do something to expand your personal development? Yeah. Right. But they go, no, 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 that's too much money. And so their capacity doesn't explain. You know, I, I meet attorneys who are really, really smart at training-wise, but they don't make any money because they haven't, you know, their mind is so filled with stuff, but they're constipated emotionally and you know, spiritually. It's really, money is a spiritual process. And if you're screwing people, then you have to hang out with other crooks. That's how you get rich. But if you're an honest person, you are not to hang, not be with those people. So it is really more spiritual and emotional is where capacity comes from. You know what I mean? Are you a quart jar or your gallon jar? That's the difference. I think I know your answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Best ever success habit you practice? It's the one hour in the morning. Oh, what do you do? I meditate, I read, I visualize, and I journal. One hour. I exercise. Every single day? I would say 95% of the time, you know, your day begins in that first hour. And most people, you know, that, you know I, 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 there was a time I was coming out, of, you know, hung over and chasing my mother and having a good time, which was fun. But once I got married and all that, I said, well, it's, that's been fun, that's passed. I'm not going to cheat on my wife anymore. I, I never cheat on my wife. But I don't want to play the game like some of my friends play the game. So I wanted to work on my spirit, my mind, my visual, my physical, and my attitude towards the day and my happiness. And that's how I get rich. Because I look at I look at the world today. You know, the, they estimate that nine out of ten attorneys are unhappy. Well, they should be. <laughs> but if you're unhappy, then you better do something about it. You know, what I see is I'm 68. I just turned 68. Is I see depression setting into a lot of my peers. You know, the end of their lives, nothing left, they're retired, and all this. If you're unhappy, then that's going to affect the rest of your life. So that's why that one hour in the morning is what I do. And I do about that 90, 90% of the time. What time do you wake up in the morning? Generally about 5. And then, you know, that's when I do my work. I'm, I'm through with my work by 9 in the morning. And I kind, of, I kind of have my day free, do what I want to do. When do you usually go to bed? What time? 9, 10. It depends. You know, I don't have a normal life. I'm always on the road. I'm always traveling. I just do what I want to do. That's the key to success for me. You know, I like my freedom. You know, most people come out of school, they're wanting job security and a paycheck and a pension. I think that's purgatory. That's safe. That's what I think. You like it, knock yourself out. But I just wanted my freedom, you know. So when I was 18 years old, I graduated from high school and never went home again. And so that's it. Bye. And I I've been traveling the world ever since. I don't want a paycheck. I don't need a paycheck. And I don't want to hang out with friends with you. Because I want my freedom more than job security. Depends on your value system. I mean, that's one reason I like real estate. It buys me my freedom. Every month, I, I make more money for lunch when people make my lifetime tax-free. That's what education does. But not the stuff they teach you in MBA programs. 
from that, the deals that are making you money on a monthly basis, what's the best deal you've ever done? Every day I'm doing a deal. I'll just tell you the last deal I did, you know, we bought this hotel in Phoenix and with five golf courses on it. And I put up a million nine on the whole thing. I'm in partners with guys like Jerry Colangelo who won the Phoenix Suns and all. Again, it's your partners. These guys, so we think was losing $3 million a year. We turned it so it's making $3 million a year. So it's 100%, you know, $6 million swing in the whole thing. And then we refinance it and we get all of our money out tax-free. So we refinance, get the money out, the property pays for the property, pays for the debt. And then with that extra couple of million, I go into another deal in Tucson. Again, not because not because of anything else, but I get tax, it's tax-free money. I use debt to get rich. And the more debt I use and the smarter I am at fixing the property, and I don't pay any taxes. So I'm always stepping up my basis. So if by going from, let's say, $25 million on the hotel, I went up to like $200 million on another property. So I'm always stepping up my basis via which I can take amortization, depreciation, and anyway. But that's what I'm doing. I'm the same game. The reason I love real estate is I love debt. I don't like paying taxes. I don't like the cash flow tax-free. That's what I do. And that's what I was taught the first day in real estate school back in 1970, how to use debt and taxes to get rich. And that's what I'm real estate. I don't flip properties. I said the problem, the quandary I'm in today is people are offering me so much money for my properties. But if I sell, then I have a, then I don't 1031, then I have a capital gains consequence. Right. So I don't know what is more, cash or cash flow. And my cash flow is substantial. And if I put another $25 million in my pocket, then I'd have to go look for another $125 million deal. And they're getting harder to find. It's a lot of work. So it's a different kind of reality, but it all started back in 1973 with one little three-day course on how to use debt and taxes to get rich in real estate. That's why when the government those guys want to borrow money from me, that's why I asked them, what's the last class you did? And it's none. Or they have the MBA. I walk. You know, I don't want. I don't want to deal with them. Right. You know, why would I want to risk my money with somebody who doesn't really value their value? So that's kind of where I'm at. You know, and it's pretty simple. And I'm not being cocky about it, but I don't really have time to deal with people who think that making money in real estate is easy. You know, it's like you interview Craig Capola is one of the best guys there is. That's why he's my partner in other deals. But you've got us, it goes back to the basic, who's your partners, how smart are they, what's their track record, how well do I know them? It's not about the real estate. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Well, I'm always donating to charity, but I just say this much right now, it's like inside my company, you know, I do it by encouraging other people to give. So last year I gave more than a million dollars away, but that's part of our policy, is that we always give away our money. That's why we have so much money. When somebody says, well, I'll give money when I have money, that's why they don't have money because, you know, generosity is the key to being rich. So when I meet a poor person, it's obviously that they're not being generous. And that's my point of view on it. So why would I want to do business with them? Probably don't because when the money comes in, they're going to spend it. Like I was watching that, you know, I, I love Shark Tank and I love The Prophet with Marcus Malonis. And they asked this one kid, who's a ghetto kid and all this, and he says, what did you do with the 150000 made? He says, well, I spent it. <laughs> All the sharks said, well, we're not going to be your partner. So why, you know, well, I'm, I'm a poor kid, you know, and I wanted to enjoy it. I said, no, you don't get it. You're supposed to be eating macaroni and cheese. Yes. 
until you've done everything else. And then, no, no, no. Then they had three of these three chicks come on from the Shark Tank, and they asked, they they borrowed 500000 and, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, Cuban, Mark Cuban asked him, what'd you do with the money? And said, we paid ourselves a salary. <laughs> and Cuban says, I'm out. <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of guys don't get it. They're employees, you know, over a paycheck. Well, as an investor, you don't get paid until the cash flow starts coming out and the tasks give you advantages. But the average person is really kind of an idiot when it comes to money. There's no financial education in schools. And we wonder why we have economic problems, you know. There's no real economic economic problem. The rich are getting really rich. The poor are very poor. And the middle class is shrinking. So the problem is, depending what class you're in, that's the way I look at it. And lastly, what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in business or real estate? I don't look at it that way. First of all, I've never lost money in real estate. Never. I've lost money in business. And when I lost money in business was because I had bad partners who were crooks. You know, I hate to say it, they're absolute dishonest accountants and attorneys. I don't trust them. Now, the good news is, like I said earlier, out of every bad partnership, I met good partners. So today I have great partners. If I had not made that mistake, I would not have found great partners. And then where the idea that mistakes are bad comes from, this comes from the silly school system where they punish you for making mistakes. Well, how do you learn anything if you don't make mistakes? You know, when I was, when I was flying for the Marine Corps, every single day we practiced crashing. So when I was in Vietnam, I went down three times. The reason I'm alive today is because I practiced crashing. And when I meet people who are like academically smart, you know, I don't make mistakes, I said, well, I don't want you as a partner because you haven't learned anything. And those are those accountants and attorneys. You know, I, I want guys who have made a lot of mistakes. You know, Trump and I have made a lot of mistakes, but we learn from them. But in my poor dad's world, who was a PhD, still stands for poor, helpless, and desperate. If you make a mistake, you're stupid. In the real world, the people that make mistakes and learn from them are the rich people. They're the successful people. In other words, you know, if you're going to play golf, you got to go practice, 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 practice. You practice and you make mistakes. Tiger Woods has practiced more than I ever practiced in golf. That's why he makes more money than I do. But the average person, I don't care what it is, let's say it's real estate investment. Well, I don't want to practice, I just want to make money. Well, you can't not go through that practice phase. You've got to practice. That's where you get your experience, and that's how you get smarter. So that's why I go back again to the kid or the, the young guys that are hitting me up for some money. They haven't made any mistakes. They want to use my money to make their mistakes. <laughs> I said, I don't want to do that. That's what Cuban said last night, in fact, on Shark Tank. He says, so you've lost all your money. Now you want my money to lose, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how silly people are. That's how silly. They're so out of touch reality. And these are two very smart women who are asking, only asking for like 100,000 bucks. But Cuban sat there and just ripped them. You know, he says, I'm out. You know, the guy said, I'm out. Barbara Corcoran, being female, tried to save him. But... They just don't get it. And it's, we lost all this money. Now we want our money. It's, what did you learn? Oh, no, we need your money. <laughs> <laughs> and they went to school. That's the problem. That's why I dropped out of the MBA program. Not the MBA program is bad. But I learned more, day, more in three days of real estate class than I did in two years of MBAs. <laughs> Robert, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with best ever listeners. And talking about, I mean, it's very straightforward, talking about financial literacy in the right way. And, you know, partnerships is also a, a big topic that I love that you focused on and making sure you have trusted, experienced partners who have made mistakes and who have learned from those mistakes. And 
you know, as you said, I mean, it's very difficult to kind of determine who the best partner will be before you engage that partnership. I said the good thing about having a bad partner is you find good partners. Right. Like, for instance, when I was married once for nine months, it's a bad partner. <laughs> so before I got married again, I had to make sure if I got married this time, was I going to be faithful for the rest of my life? That was the question. And in marriage and business and life, that's the question an individual has to answer. So in the Rich Dad Company, you know, I had a bunch of partners come in and they were as dishonest as snakes. You know, they sit there and smile and say, yeah, we're on these people, but they were ripping, they were ripping us off. So it cost me about $10 million to get rid of them. But out of that process, I made great partners. So now, don't not make mistakes. And seem being aware that you will make mistakes and you can learn. Thank you so much, Robert. Is there any parting words you want to say to the best ever listeners? I think you're asking very intelligent questions, so I would encourage your listeners to keep listening to what you have to say. Thanks, Robert. Thank you very much, Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.